0: Here we are again uh, this week, and welcome to uh, another episode of the Pipe and People podcast with me, Guy Bevington, uh, MD of True North Recruitment Group, and uh, here we feel this is a podcast for global technology leaders to share insights with the tech community, and uh, this week I'm delighted to be joined by none other than Phil Deutsch. Um, Phil, welcome, how are you?
1: Yeah, really good, thanks.
0: Really glad to be on the podcast. Good, good, great. Well, a warm welcome. Quite literally a warm welcome. It's absolutely uh, scorching today, isn't it? It's uh, it's uh, approaching the high twenties, which is what we like. So, um, so yeah, I, feel, I guess to uh, to introduce um, you and the the frame of the podcast today. So, um, for those that are yet to make your acquaintance, you are the head of data science for Capricorn Capital Partners in the UK. And um, we got chatting quite recently, and I think we were both agreed um, on on one particular area. You know, given the the hype that exists around data science in the world today, you know, a lot of companies can often see it as this magic fairy dust that you sprinkle over any tech problem or data problem, and you'll uncover some revolutionary uh, algorithm, or you know, there'll be some huge cost saving for the business, and. I guess the beauty of your role is given the varied nature of the different clients you work with, uh, you get to see a lot of different strategies, a lot of different variations around, you know, different companies, different problems. And, and it'd be really interesting to see how those different um, uh, approaches uh, vary with regards to their uh, their data science practices. So I thought it would be great to get together and just sort of discuss that really and see if there's any uh, common themes that, that seem to be emerging. And, um, but I guess before we delve into uh that I- i'd love to just invite you if i may to-, to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh in, in your career to date and-, and we can go from
1: there. yeah absolutely um so my my background originally is in uh, so i studied maths and uh, physics at uni and actually when i was like as a student i was really into my science fiction like i guess a lot of people in data science uh, especially keen or i, I love uh asimov and the foundation trilogy i'm not sure if you've ever read that but the core one of the core themes there is this uh thing called psycho that they do and it's basically a branch of mathematics that allows them to predict the behavior of people if there are more a lot of people in uh, you know behaving together as a group and i kind of was fascinated by this stuff and i think the closest to that description is actually data science and kind of machine learning and I, I really got into that after uni when I started working for a bank, and that was kind of 10 years ago now, and banks then were, I think, the first industry to really use you know, machine learning models to predict things like uh, you know, the, the likelihood of somebody defaulting on a loan and the exposure at default and that kind of stuff. Um, so I was um, you know, really learning about how to use data and how to make predictions based on data um, in financial services. And then after a few years, switched into consulting. Um, I think that was mostly because I, I have a relatively short attention span and it kind of suits me well to kind of work on a project for, you know, two, three months uh, and then kind of um, have a different problem to, to uh, grapple with. Um, so worked in consulting for quite a while, um, saw quite a few different, uh, you know, problems in different areas where I could apply machine learning or data science solutions and then uh, joined Capricorn Capital Partners uh, four years ago now where I uh, joined as the head of data science and have kind of built a data science team. And what we're doing uh, at Capricorn is uh, using data, uh, using uh, analytics, machine learning in any kind of uh, shape and form to help our portfolio companies uh, basically be as scientific and as effective as possible. So we're really, um, we're, we're kind of like an internal consulting firm or team for our portfolio companies so we don't work with anybody else but um, obviously we have a longer time horizon right we're investing in these companies um, and we're working with them over the course of years to try and help them as much as possible
0: yeah fantastic well, thank you for that. that's a uh, great really impressive background and i guess a uh, really nice well-rounded background from the finance side and, and, and then the data science side so clearly somebody very uh, qualified and, uh, and capable to talk about this i guess um, so um, so yeah, to talk us through then so far your experience of data science, how it's being used in the private equity space, and um, you know just uh, any kind of common themes that you're seeing within your your portfolio companies.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's I think in terms of data science, there's 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 really two very different areas. I think I think there's the there's you know the cutting edge research kind of data science uh, that's done you know at universities, but also at Companies that are, you know, are really machine learning first. Let's call it. Um, and then there's, I think, a separate type of data science that, you know, if you're you're just selling, you know, shoes online or whatever, you might want to use data science. But then you're just applying algorithms. You want to increase conversion. You want to decrease churn. That kind of stuff. Um, so the companies that we invest in are kind of very firmly in that second camp, right? I mean, we're trying to um, apply machine learning tools and and, uh, to use the data as best as we can to basically help solve common commercial problems in in those companies. Um, And it's also worth noting that, you know, at least Capricorn, we are not really using data science that much in the uh, investment area. So we're obviously making a lot of decisions around, you know, how to invest or who to invest in. Uh, These decisions are um, not really automated in any way or we're not using data science that much so we're really focusing on clear commercial problems within our portfolio companies where we can apply you know some predictive algorithm um, and ideally where we can also use our findings and in a way productionize what we're doing to kind of deploy to the different portfolio companies
0: Mm, yeah fantastic yeah I i can i can really see the value there of how you know data science used in the right way it could be a, a very powerful tool and like say replicated across different companies in the portfolio um, yeah certainly seems yeah to.
1: yeah absolutely i mean i think it's it's the replication is a big factor but i think it's also that um you know data scientists are uh, not exactly cheap and uh, a lot of our portfolio companies you know would very much benefit or do benefit very much from having you know access to a data science team but they couldn't really hire or uh, or retain you know a team of data scientists they might be able to hire one but that person you know then would have no you know clear career progression um path or anything like that so we basically um also from that perspective found that you know it's just much better to have a central team of you know um really good data scientists who can you know reach this level of scale so we're currently five data scientists so there's kind of at least uh some you know room for discussions you can have you know whiteboarding sessions that kind of stuff and we can then you know work across those different portfolio companies and each of those companies can then benefit from having access to that you know pool of uh, expertise absolutely
0: absolutely yeah it's a real win-win i guess isn't it from you know the way you can execute it and also from the client's perspective like you said getting a very Um, Yeah, exactly. But um, data science team without necessarily a huge initial investment. So uh, yeah, I can hugely see the value there. Um, Okay, great. So so talk me through then when you are going into a client, you're you're assessing the situation, the lay of the land. What approaches? What sort of hygiene factors um, are there to consider when you think about embarking upon um, a new data science initiative?
1: yeah i mean i think I think it's a bit weird. like data science is in a slightly weird place where um, it's it's been around for a while, obviously, and there's it's there's there's a bit of a hype now, and then uh, that still haven't kind of that still hasn't died down, I don't think. And I think people can have quite unrealistic uh, expectations in the sense that you know if you just sprinkle data science uh, or or kind of throw data science at a problem, it will just kind of go away Um, and you know the black box the the black keras box or whatever will just you know solve it and and i think that kind of can lead to a bit of disillusionment or kind of it lead to people being then disappointed with the results because then quite often you know the there's a disconnect between what the data scientist builds and what the business actually needs and i think my a very very large part of my job i think is actually in translating between what a you know product owner or a you know a commercial user needs into a technical framework that into a technical problem that effectively can be solved using or optimized using an algorithm. Because quite often you know the the initial brief is something like let's reduce customer churn or let's you know optimize marketing spend. And it's something quite vague like that. And then a huge part of the value that I think a data scientist can add is actually in making that clearer and making that concrete and measurable and and bringing the science to that whole question. Um, And part of that can be, you know, building a machine learning tool to then actually optimize part of this. But I think even without that, there's a huge amount of value to add by just, you know, making all of these terms precise you know what does it actually mean to to optimize marketing spend is it just about you know the return on advertising spend is it about customer lifetime but like there's a lot of different ways that this could be done or that ideas that people could have about what that means and so i think in terms of the these hygiene factors i think really the 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 core is to have a a definition of success effectively and I think without that, it does—it really doesn't make sense to try and build something complicated and then um, not quite know, you know, at which point does it actually succeed.
0: Mm, yeah, I think it's such a great point. Um, and, I, and I agree with you, by the way. I think that this whole data science um, phenomenon, uh, buzz, whatever you want to call it, um, I think is yet to die down. I think if anything, in many areas, the expectation sort of, because it's becoming more prevalent and well-known in, in businesses in general is sort of still still on the <laughs> increase i think and uh, um, it's amazing actually when i speak clearly in my line of work I speak to a lot of data scientists on a daily basis and um, you know a lot of them do really share that frustration that of kind of the heaped expectation that sits on their shoulders that you know you can just sort of throw this uh you know uh Machine learning algorithm, a set of data, and it's just going to solve the the world. And and you know, as as we all know, really, a data scientist is only ever going to be as um, uh, successful as the quality of the data that they're working with. And very largely, very often, it sits behind you know, further, way further behind what a data scientist is actually capable of doing. And I think, yeah, what you're describing there is really pragmatic approach to that whole analysis piece right at the beginning. And uh, you know, sometimes, quite frankly. It isn't the right solution um and uh, i think that's uh, something a lot of companies could really benefit from hearing um but um but with that in mind i mean what what do you feel are there sort of key indicators that you would uh measure as to whether you feel a machine learning solution should be used
1: yeah i mean i think the uh, so i think Yes, I think there are some clear situations where I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think the perfect scenario where I'd want, where I'd say, you know, we should really think about a machine learning solution is probably where something where there is a process that's clearly defined, that's clearly me- that's that's being measured, and where some steps have already been taken to optimize it, uh, but basically that then reaches a plateau because there's only so far you can you can take this without using something like machine learning right i mean if you're already um i don't know optimizing your um conversion funnel or whatever manu- basically manually using a b testing by you know region and customer group uh, there's there's only so far you can take this and i think that's when it makes a lot of sense to then say okay in order to properly personalize recommendations on a website or, or whatever it is you actually have to use machine learning but i think uh, ideally, you want to you want to do that once you've had a proper stab at A/B testing and optimizing and 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 tracking the performance uh, first. And I don't think you want to leapfrog this and um, and go straight into machine learning uh, algorithms without having that basis first.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally agree, totally agree. Um, okay, cool. So when it comes to um, the rollout of a data science um, initiative. Um, the world of data science obviously sits quite closely with software engineering and it's, it's quite a well-known, um, you know, well-trodden path, I guess, in the software engineering world about certain methodologies that exist out there to successfully deliver software. Uh, you know, obviously, we all know the likes of Agile and Scrum and Kanban and different methodologies out there. Um, are there particular methodologies that you employ working in your, your team of five at the moment um, that you would use to execute a data science project?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think we we're really reinventing the wheel there, but we found that or I found that a a version of Scrum uh, with a kind of Kanban board works really well. So uh, most of the projects that uh, we're doing are running on uh, one on weekly sprints. Um, So basically, we have a roadmap that has the high level, um, the high level tasks. Um, and those are, break, are broken down into tasks that are you know then slotted into one week sprints. And I think uh, f- one of the key learnings there is that um, especially with machine learning it, and, and data science generally, it's very tempting to have you know huge tasks that then just sit there in you know in the in progress uh, status of a kanban board for like a week or whatever or two weeks because you know the the task is then effectively, know build a model or something and I think the um, ideally you can break it down into you know very very granular chunks which you know I have found to be very very helpful because the more you can constantly have this flow of tasks through that uh, through the different statuses and through these sprints, I think uh, the easier it is to spot when you know somebody gets stuck or something isn't working as expected um, but yeah, I think that, that's kind of um, a key aspect. I think another one is, uh, you know, something that, um, again, you know, uh, we haven't invented, but it's um, it, it's kind of a very agile mindset in that with machine learning project, or I guess with, with software development in general, it's very tempting to just go away for, you know, a month, build something, and then, you know, deploy it. Um, but I really believe that, You know, data science in particular is a contact sport. You want to be as close to, you know, the users of this tool or or this this model as possible. And so, having you know very regular check check check-ins, making sure that at the end of each you know sprint there is something very tangible to to show and for somebody else to use and play with and then feedback on. I think that's that's extremely important, and I think it's something that I don't think comes natural for a lot of data scientists who tend to be uh, I mean, I definitely uh, include myself in this, tend to be somewhat more, you know, introverted and want to just, you know, go away and build something great and then, you know, you know, show off, show off our great creation. And I think in reality, that just doesn't really work that well. Mm,
0: yeah. That's a an- really good point. Cause, um, I guess in the world of data science, you know, it very, very often is that, conduit with the business and uh understanding how what you're doing is impacting on the business and like you said often there can be um culture clashes personal clashes from both sides of the uh, of the coin i guess and um, i mean how do you how do you personally manage that and how do you how do you build a a, a successful data science culture and uh, you know within within your your particular team
1: yeah i, th- I think the one of the key things I think is that ideally these projects are much more cross-functional. I think when you, when you just label it as a data science project, um, you know, to build a recommendation engine or whatever it is, I think, I think this makes it a lot harder because then you're automatically building in this, these silos and you almost have, you know, you know, you have the data science team, you know, producing something uh, and then just, you know, Building that mindset of the data scientists are just um, the data science work ends where you know that product is deployed or whatever and I think uh, a better setup is to have a cross-functional team where you know the the team has the has a clear objective like I don't know let's improve conversion on on, on that particular website and we want to use do that using uh, a recommendation engine say but then have A front-end engineer on that team have a product owner on that team who can really who understands the customers and have a one or two data scientists on the team but basically uh, the more i think you can foster that cross functionality the the better it is because um, i think it's important for the data scientists to always feel and see that they are i think ultimately you know we're a support function for you know other parts of the business and they have actual commercial you know metrics and, and problems that they want to solve and it's not just a um academic problem that's you know solved by data scientists in isolation
0: yeah yeah totally i think that's the mark of a of a great leader in the data science um space that they really foster that element of collaboration with the rest of the business um, it's certainly a common theme that i've seen seems like you're similarly echoing that which is which is fantastic yeah. um so um okay great and and you know, bearing in mind your your time now as a leader in the data science space what do you feel are the are the biggest lessons that you've learned that you could perhaps share around either data science practices internally or those potentially with um any of your clients um are there any kind of big lessons that really stand out to you
1: yeah i mean i think I think maybe maybe it'd be useful actually to have different names for this because i feel like it's hard to talk about data science because so many different things are falling under the data science umbrella and it goes i mean one is you know data science and machine learning being used interchangeably and and kind of for me machine learning is you know clearly one tool that a data scientist uses and it's not kind of the same thing but it's also Within machine learning or data science, you have a huge gap between you know the cutting edge, you know research, uh, you know the what OpenAI is doing and what you read about AGI and all of that stuff and GPT three, and then you have what most companies are actually using, and I think that gap is is widening, if anything, because you know it's just the cutting edge is just so, so far removed from really what most companies are are doing and, and realistically also what most companies need, right? I mean, the yeah. very few companies need, you know, deep learning models, really. Um, but almost every company uh, could, you know, be better at making, you know, doing experiments and making scientific decisions, capturing the data and uh, and yes, simple machine learning models might also be a good idea. But you then, uh, I think, one of the challenges is that quite often the the data scientists are obviously in that area because they're super interested in the cutting edge thing, uh, and then they can get frustrated when you know they're building the seventh uh, logistic regression model, um, and uh, I think it's uh, it can be hard to kind of bridge that gap in a way. Uh, but in a sense, I think it may it, it's so. What I'm trying is to actually move a little bit away from that concept of data science means applying state-of-the-art machine learning models and rather to me um, a core part of being a good data scientist is actually being an evangelist for you know using the scientific method in in businesses and uh, using data effectively and um, and and yeah like I said you know machine learning model is is one of those arrows in that quiver
0: absolutely absolutely yeah and when it comes to building your team and kind of bringing people on board that kind of share that view um are there particular traits characteristics that you look for when it comes to hiring good data scientists in your opinion
1: yeah i mean i think the i mean obviously there's you know a kind of there are technical hygiene factors you know uh Everybody that I um, that I hire needs to be, you know, quite good at, you know, SQL, Python, um, ideally Python and R, and kind of know a little bit about that um, these tools. But um, I think as important is, uh, you know, communication skills and and also, you know interpersonal skills and, and, and patience, and just being able to explain these concepts clearly to somebody who isn't technical, because you know, with we're, we're a little bit a victim of our own success there, I think, because with the proliferation of you know, fantastic tools like uh, you know, scikit-learn and, um, and cloud platforms where it's you know, easier and easier to deploy that stuff, um, it becomes very tempting to just throw a lot of computing power and a very complicated algorithm at a problem, mm. but you then, first of all, immediately lose anybody who isn't technical, uh, and second of all, you're then it, it becomes so hard to then troubleshoot when something when the output isn't what you're expecting, and you'll then constantly have questions from you know some non-technical person that's like, well, why does it why did the tool recommend this over that or, or whatever, and so I think. For me, being able to understand what a non-technical person needs to needs to know and kind of explain that to them and um, and kind of being able to engage with them on, on that level and kind of explaining machine learning algorithms at you know different levels depending on who you're talking to, I think that's a very, very key skill.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that translation piece is absolutely massive. So I think also gaining the buy-in from the business as well like you said it's very much a winning okay. hearts and minds exercise and yeah people i suppose fundamentally if they feel that every time they speak to somebody from the data science team they just have no clue what's being spoken about they'll just instantly shut down won't they so it's that, yeah. uh, that ability to to know how to phrase things to to various people without being yeah. sending but also being informative and uh, you know uh, i think it's a very difficult skill to to perfect but uh no i, I Totally would agree with that.
1: Yeah, um, but it's, uh, I think it's, it's actually also the reason why I kind of think, you know, that you, you always hear these, um, there's, there's some articles or some, you know, talking points that, you know, data science is going to be automated or, you know, um, these all singing, all dancing uh, data science tools are just going to optimize stuff for you. And I think in reality, th- th- this is the reason why I'm not worried about that at all, really, because I think the, um, the benefit or the value that, you know, data scientists bring uh, it is not really the ability of writing the piece of code that, you know, uh, trains a deep learning model. I mean, that, that becomes easier and easier, you know, every month. Um, it's really that translation piece and understanding the commercial side enough to know what to even apply in the first place. Mm. Uh, and whether that data, you know, is good enough to feed it to be fed into an algorithm and all, all of that, all of these kinds of questions that I don't know. i At some point, who knows? But I don't see those, you know, uh, being automated anytime soon or, or kind of not requiring that that insight and that that level of communication.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. That's a really good point, actually. Because I mean, I I I'd almost extrapolate that out into. Really, what, what I do is a job in recruitment as well, because you know, for a long, long time recruiters have been worried about, you know, is the job of a recruiter going to get taken over by some sophisticated AI algorithm that can connect talent and companies? And of course, you know, whilst these tools and the fantastic tools are being created all the time, which really, really help with that whole initial um, sort of matching process, there is still fundamentally, you know, recruitment to human business and as as is as our most businesses really there's always an element of human interaction involved within it and really when a client is is working with with me I always say really what they're paying for is my opinion yeah it's that kind of um the bit that the algorithm can't really ever necessarily match up because it's about how do I feel when I speak to that person and who knows maybe in future a long way down the line we'll have uh, levels of AI that are that sort of sentient and sophisticated but uh, for a long long time I still think there's always going to be that that piece of human interaction needed to make sense of the, the data if that makes sense in, in ultimately-
1: exactly and, and, and I think the um, I guess um, you know when somebody knows hundred percent exactly what they want in both of those cases right that that can be automated right if somebody knows exactly here's my here's exactly the kind of job that I want and I'm just interested in that industry in that job in that you know whatever then yes, you could probably automate this because this is a very easy matching exercise. And it's in the same way if somebody has, you know, a very, like, there's a very clear metric, there's a very clear process, and they just want to, and it's basically an optimization problem, then yes, you can just run it through an algorithm. But I think the the reality is that in most cases, it it's not like this, right? It's uh, people don't quite know what they need or what they want or what the lowest hanging fruit is, and they don't even know what questions to ask because they don't know the industry or they don't know the, the algorithms that can be applied. So that's, uh, it's a lot of it is understanding, basically m- connecting those two worlds and basically being able to say, Oh, actually, you know, this is the problem that, you know, is much easier to solve than that problem. And so we should tackle that first or whatever, and then, you know, applying the right tools
0: yeah absolutely. absolutely i guess it's all about context isn't it intelligence yeah. and context um so yeah 100% agree with that um okay fantastic well first absolutely fascinating speaking to you really really enjoyed the chat and uh, i always like to end every podcast by asking um your opinion on what are you most excited about um in the world of ai and data science moving forward and you have mentioned obviously the world is Progressing at a pace from uh, the cutting edge data science point of view in terms of what it can actually uh, you know achieve, but what is, is there anything out there that really excites you, um, you? know moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the um, I think the cutting edge of data science is you know or, or machine learning, I think is extremely exciting. I think I mentioned GPT three um, uh, a little bit earlier, and I think that was the first example of you know. Uh, I think an ai system that really kind of completely blew me away as a you know i don't you know i'm i don't have too much to do with the with these kind of cutting-edge models but that that feeling of you know you this doesn't feel like a computer anymore uh, i think that's extremely exciting and it's quite clear that we're still at the very beginning of this um, um shift and and so i think it's going to be extremely exciting to see what what comes of you know, AGI and, uh, and these uh, machine learning models. I think closer to home a little bit, I'm, I'm actually also very excited about uh, recent advances in MLOps. And I think that's an area that is, you know, still very underdeveloped in a, in a sense. And there's no real standard for you know, something like what GitHub did for you know, software development. Uh, you know You don't really have, you have some, github-like things for data but there's no real standard like you know git for data or git for machine learning models where you could you know uh, version all the different artifacts and the models and make it a lot easier to deploy these tools roll back to you know what was why did we make that prediction last week and what were the inputs what were the outputs uh, so i think uh, in that sense data science really lags behind traditional software development, which is not really a surprising, right? It's so much younger. And we're kind of currently trying to shoehorn everything into these software development tools. Like, you know, we're, we're writing unit tests, like, you know, you would for a static application. And I feel like there's no currently very good way of, you know, translating all of that into the ML world. So I think um, probably closer, sooner than, you know, us getting fully fledged AGI, uh, I'm really looking forward to um, advancing in that field, and I think that's going to make uh, make it a lot smoother to actually work on these projects as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean to echo that sentiment, it's certainly something we're seeing on the the recruitment side of the coin, you know it's becoming more and more prevalent um within companies and that uh, certainly around the ML ops side, you know becoming more uh, aware of. The need for uh, possibly somebody in that space, but I think it goes back to the interesting point you made a minute ago. But a lot of the conversations we're having still are, are people not too sure exactly what they need yet. You know, mm. uh, they've got a bit of an idea, but they're not sure what what they need or why they need it. So, um, but no, it's um, yeah, fascinating to, to chat with you. And uh, yeah, I guess all that remains to say is thank you very much for your time. I look forward to uh, following your, your progress intently, um, in, in your role at Capricorn, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll catch up again in, in the not too distant future.
1: All right. Thanks. Well, great to be on the podcast. And uh, yeah, take care.
0: Yeah, man. Cheers, bro.
1: Bye.